Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. I am unpacking, I believe, some very, very deep, but uh, I think very needed uh, things that uh, I believe that, you know, a lot of conversation can be had concerning some of these things. I am certainly willing to be adjusted on some of these things, but I put them out there so that at least we can begin to think in terms of how the book of Revelation really, uh, in most of it, has been fulfilled uh, historically. I, I compared last week how that the book of Daniel and the seven-headed beast that rose up out of the sea compared perfectly with the seven-headed beast out of the book of Revelation. I want to come back and kind of uh, delve in just a little bit deeper uh, with a little bit more of uh, the, the, the judgment that came during this particular season because that's really a very important thing. There was a judicial decision that was made. And I'm going to jump back in reading from Daniel, the seventh chapter. This is the Amplified Bible. It says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, the Roman Empire, terrible, powerful, and dreadful, and exceeding strong. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and crushed, trampled what was left with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that came before it. It had ten horns, symbolizing ten kings. I dealt with that in the last segment. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up another horn among them, another horn, a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, and this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. And I kept looking until thrones were placed for the assessor with the judge. And the, and the Ancient of Days, the Eternal Father, took his seat, whose garment was as white as snow, and the hair uh, white, his head like pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame its wheels burning fire. A stream of fire came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, and ten thousand times ten thousand rose up and stood before him. The judge was seated, the court was in session, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words which the horn was speaking. I watched until the beast was slain, its body burned, destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. And as for the rest of the beast, their power of dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a duration of their lives was fixed for a season and a time. And I saw the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of heaven came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was prevented, presented before him. And there was given him the Messiah, dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was grieved and anxious within me. The visions of my head alarmed and agitated me, and I came near to the one who's, those who stood there and asked him the truth of all this. And he, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High God shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever, even forever. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all others, which was the Roman beast. Exceedingly terrible, shocking whose teeth were of iron, its nails of bronze. It devoured broken, crushed, trampled what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns, representing the kings that were on its head, and the other horn which came later, and before which three of the horns fell, and the horn which had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and which looked greater than the others. I looked, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. 
that was the season where the beast was allowed to uh, wear out the saints of the Most High for times, times and a half a time. I dealt with that in the last segment. That was the 42 months that the Gentiles were given to tread underfoot the holy city and the court that was without. It was the 42 months where the woman was carried into the wilderness. It was the times, times and a half times of Daniel's prophecy until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus the angel, the fourth beast, shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all of the kingdoms shall devour the whole earth and tread it down and break it in pieces and crush it. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kingdoms shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the former ones. And he shall subdue, put down three kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Think to change times of the sacred feast and holy days, and the law of the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, two times, and a half a time or three and a half years, according to Revelation 13, 1 through 6. But the judgment shall set by the court of the Most High, and they shall take away his dominion to consume it gradually, to destroy it unto the end, suddenly in the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all nations shall serve and obey him. Here, here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my waking thoughts troubled and alarmed me much, and my cheerfulness of my countenance was changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. When I got to thinking about uh, this, when I got to thinking about what he saw, when he came to uh, this, you know, he, kept, he said, I kept looking until thrones were placed. And the assessor of the judge, the Ancient of Days, the father took his seat and there appeared before him the, the Ancient of Days and received a kingdom and power and dominion. I, I submit to you that that was Jesus receiving his coronation before God as King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he must reign till he has put every enemy under his feet, 1 Corinthians 15 says, and the last enemy that is to be destroyed was death. I submit to you that that happened during the period that we're talking about in 70 AD because, first of all, the last enemy that shall be destroyed, and while Jesus conquered death at the grave, the covenant of death was still in place. And the way into the most holy was not yet made while the first temple stood. So when you see the destruction of the temple, the destruction of natural Jerusalem, and you see the removing of all of those things, what happened was is that the covenant with death that Isaiah spoke about and the agreement with hell was disannulled because it would happen when the overflowing scourge would pass through. That happened in 70 AD. And I showed you in prior sessions when we talked about the coming of the Lord that this coming of the Lord was a perusia, a coming in judgment upon apostate Israel. It was to destroy the enemies of the cross and uh, the assessors that sat with him on the thrones. He told his disciples, you will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This was the time of the days of vengeance and the judging of the 12 tribes. Also the souls of them that were beheaded were part of this being a part of, uh, of, of this ruling and reigning and judging the nations with him. Remember, it was the prayers of the martyrs in Revelation, I believe it is chapter uh, 6, where they're crying, How long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? And he said, Just for a little while, you're going to sleep. And so uh, how long they, they were yet asleep at that time. They, are not, they were under the altar until the, uh, the ones that should be killed, the rest of the martyrs would be killed. 
But their prayers is what finally ignites the sound of the trumpet because their prayer is taken like a coal off the altar, it's cast into the earth, and trumpets start to sound. When those trumpets begin to sound, the last trumpet sounds immediately upon the destruction of the temple in Revelation chapter 11. When it, calm down, Lynn. I get talking like a freight train. In Revelation the 11th chapter, the latter part, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded there was some kind of a perusia, a coming of the Lord in judgment upon apostate Israel. I submit to you that this coming in judgment was the fiery throne and the fire that went before him and streams of fire that came out in fulfillment of what Peter talked about in his epistle when he said, he said things like this, the elements will melt with the fervent heat. If you look at the word elements throughout the scripture, it's dealing with uh, it's used in Galatians when he talks about when we were children, we were under the elements of the world. He was talking about the Greek word stoichion, the law of Moses. In Colossians, it uses the word, it translates the same Greek word, stoichion, as rudiments. But it, when it's used, it is mostly used to describe the law of Moses so that the elements that were melting was the passing away of an old covenant and the bringing in of a new covenant, and it was melting with a fervent heat. I believe he also writes in the book of Thessalonians that said, uh, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble to them that trouble you. So God is bringing judgment upon those who persecuted the church, beheaded, could even Peter, uh, or not, Peter was crucified upside down, beheaded uh, the apostle Paul, and he said, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, because our testimony among you was not believed. Now, the reality of it is, is that the flaming fire that was coming was the same fire that he talked about in Matthew 13, when he talks about, let me see, I've, I've got it somewhere here, uh, when he talks in Matthew 13 about the wheat and the tares being burnt, and he talks about uh, uh, it was like almost like it was like a furnace of fire, and uh, and well, let me see if I can find it very quickly. I've got so many notes that sometimes I get lost in all of this. But uh, stay with me just for a moment. Yeah, here it is. No. Matthew the 13th chapter, verse 37 through 43 said. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Now, it's not the end of this age. It was the end of that age. The end of the age that was coming and the harvest was coming was the Son of Man had sowed the seed, therefore the harvest was imminent upon them, and the weeds that were to be pulled up were the children of the wicked one. They were in fulfillment of what Jesus called religious leaders. You are of your father, the devil. They were the children of the wicked one. And he goes on, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out, his, out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The righteous, then will the righteous shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. It is the harvest was the end of the age. The fire that burnt them was the fire that came through the Romans that destroyed the city burnt the, the city to the ground. Literally, Zion was like a plowed field in fulfillment of God's covenant promise 
of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse number 20, said, The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And so that is in fulfillment of he'll he will blot their names out of the book of life. I, I, when he's judging them according to their works, when the sea gave up the dead later in the book of Revelation and the dead are being judged, it is the dead, I believe, from the old covenant who've not yet come to this fullness of judgment because the day of judgment had not yet come and they were judged according to their works. I don't believe in the future we are judged according to our works. I believe we are judged according to whether or not we believe in Jesus and have received him into our hearts or not. But there's a whole lot of stuff that I believe we've thought was in our future that was completely fulfilled in this first century church and uh, this flaming fire that was coming in vengeance upon God, upon this apostate people. Daniel chapter 12, verse number one says, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never was since there was a nation, even uh, to that same time. And at that time the people shall be delivered, and everyone who is not found written in the book of life. So Daniel tells it the same time that Michael the prince stands up is when God would judge his people and that there would be a time of trouble that would come. That is in complete fulfillment of, uh, I believe it is chapter 10, where there was a mighty angel that came down with a rainbow upon his head. It is also in fulfillment of Revelation chapter 12, where Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and there was no place found for him anymore in heaven. Michael fought with this dragon during this 42-month period when the Romans had besieged Israel to the point that that was the time of trouble such as was not since the beginning or would ever be again. And then Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says this, And many of them then that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. See, he is putting this in the time slot. He is putting this in the time slot of the judgment that was happening in Revelation chapter 20. And when they went up, here's, 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 here's Revelation 20 verse 9, and says, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This was the second death, and whoever was found not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I'm telling you, to me, a lot of this stuff occurred in 70 A.D., and I believe that we, we, we see, uh, uh, when we can see the fulfillment of this, in other words, I, I, it's so difficult to keep making these comparisons. But I trust that you are getting it. I trust that you, you are seeing how they absolutely fit when you take the book of Daniel chapter 7, the book of Daniel chapter 9, the book of Daniel chapter 12. And over the last 80 some weeks, we have continued to show you how this all fits together in the scope of God's prophetic language. 
And so, you know, uh, you know, the, and, and the bottom line is, is that, you know, it goes on to say that, that the, 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 it, sa- it says in Revelation, who is like the beast and who can make war with? Who can make war with this demon possessed beast that's getting its power from the beast? And who can make war with this two horned lamb looking beast in Revelation? The question is, who can make war with this beast? But it goes on to say that the lamb can make war with him because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And he's going to subdue until every nation and kindred and kingdom and tongue will serve and obey him. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and it's going to remove uh, every other kingdom, every other dominion that can be removed. Let me, let me, there's a few things yet I wanted to, I wanted to bring out also that, that is later in the book of Revelation, uh, I believe it is, where he's talking about the great harlot. Man, like I said, I've got so many notes. I hope I'm not wearing you out. But uh, when, and the answer to who can make war with the, the beast is ver- Revelation, the 17th chapter. It says, and these shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords, and he's the king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation, the 18th chapter, verse 8 and 9 said, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Can you see the context of this fiery throne, the context of God's judgment, the context of, of destroying, melting the elements with a fervent heat, all fit consecutively in this period of time. And Revelation 18, the harlot is apostate Israel. And I'll show you when we get in there some comparisons as we get on over there, how they perfectly fit. How has the faithful city become a harlot? Uh, the book of Hosea talks about, uh, he, he, God told him to marry a harlot. The faithful city had become a harlot and now the judgment was upon her that Daniel was prophesying about and it perfectly fits in the time slot of 66 AD to 70 AD and the destruction. It says in uh, uh, verse 18, Revelation chapter 18, verse 18, says, and, and, when, and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like to this great city. Revelation 18, verse 24, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain on the earth, in fulfillment of Matthew 23, where Jesus said, The blood of all of the martyrs, from the blood of Zacharias to the blood of Zechariah, will come upon that generation. It happened just like he said. Revelation 19, verse 3, and it says, And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Uh, Revelation 19, 17 says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God. That is in fulfillment of Jesus. And Matthew 24 said, Wherever the carcass is, that's where the vultures or the eagles will be gathered together. The supper of the great God and the battle of the great day was uh, fulfilled in that 
time period. Revelation 19, verse 18 and 20 says that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sat on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and the worship. These were both cast alive in the lake of burning fire and brimstone. I'm telling you that this is the exact same wording that is used in the book of Revelation dealing with judgment is that our, our God is a consuming fire. I believe it's even in fulfillment. When you see Hebrews for instance, the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter says, For you have not come to the mount that may be touched. You've not come to blackness and darkness and the voice of words and to the God who says, If you touch the edge of this mountain, you'll be thrust through the dark. That was Mount Sinai. He said, You've not come to the mount that can be touched, but you have come to Mount Zion. The contrast there is the mountain that you've come to can't be touched. I believe the re what, what the writer of Hebrews is doing is pleading with Hebrews who are wanting to go back to Judaism. And he's saying, you're looking for something you can touch, something you can feel, something you can smell. You're, you're still looking for the smoke of Sinai. You're still looking for the fear and the trembling of, of a God who says, stay away. You're still waiting on the bleeding of animals who are dying. But you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. Under an old covenant, it was everything you could be touched. It had a physical temple, a physical Jerusalem, a physical bread, a physical candlestick. But in the new covenant, it has a spiritual house, a spiritual priesthood, better blood, better promises. Everything moves out of the realm of what you could touch, feel, and taste to that which is in, invisible. The scripture said that, that, that Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible. We got to see into the invisible realm. And then he says, but you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. The contrast here is you did not come to Mount Sinai. That's the mountain that burned with fire. That's the one who said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through the dark. But he goes on to say, but you are come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. So Zion, in contrast to Sinai, is what's being contrasted. Sinai, Old Covenant. Zion, New Covenant. And in that same chapter in the book of Hebrews, he says, everything, ladies and gentlemen, that can be shaken is about to be shaken so that only that which remains will be a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And he says, for our God is a consuming fire. I submit to you that that shaking and that burning that he was talking about is not out in our future. It was occurring at the end of the age of the law in 70 AD when the elements melted with fervent heat, when the heavens passed away with a great noise, and there was a new heaven and a new earth came on the scene because the Jewish mind thought of their temple and their land as heaven and earth. An old heaven and an old earth passed away and a new heaven and a new earth came on the scene. If it did not, we are still under the law because Matthew 5 said, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass till all be fulfilled. Jesus and God were completely fulfilling every demand that the law made so that the end of 70 AD, it was the end of the story. It was lights out. It was God bringing us not to a physical uh, Mount Sinai that you could be touched, but bringing us to Mount Zion, which sets the stage for us in our next segment to talk about those that were with the Lamb on Mount Zion were 144,000. But isn't it incredible 
that they are the 144,000 and they are on Mount Zion. Now that's powerful. What's happening? They're moving from a mount that burned with fire. They're moving from fear and trembling. They are moving from um, law to grace. They are moving from the old covenant age to the new covenant age. They are moving from uh, judgment to mercy. They are moving from a law-based system to a Holy Spirit-governed system. Uh, they are moving from an old Jerusalem to a new Jerusalem, from an old temple to a new temple. And that's why you're going to see later on the, the book of Revelation, he said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. I saw the bride, the Lamb's wife, and the holy city coming down from God out of heaven as a bride. It was the marriage of the bride that had now come. God had adjudged the apostates and Babylon was now removed and God was giving birth to a new Jerusalem. The fact that there's a new one means there was an old one. That ought to, the fact that there's a new covenant tells us there was an old one. That means we're not going back to the old. We're going forward to the new. But all of these powerful things, I think, were so incredibly fulfilled. And when you see on Mount Zion, uh, those that are with this lamb, they have their father's name written in their foreheads, and they are virgins. They are not defiled with women. They are the virgins of Matthew chapter 25, and they don't have the mark of the beast. They have their father's name in their foreheads, and their key uh, identifier is they love not their lives unto death, but they followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These are the people that I believe Daniel talked about that were the saints of the Most High who had now come on the scene to see the end brought even to the beast of Rome because the gospel and the sword that proceeded out of the mouth of Jesus, the consuming fire that our God is, that Hebrews 12 talked about, our God is a consuming fire. And he says, serve God with a reverence for our God. We have grace to serve God with reverence for our God is a consuming fire. That these are the people whom the saints of the Most High that Daniel talked about that had received dominion and authority. And that dominion and authority had begun to be exercised in 70 AD and from, well, even before that, but even greater after the temple is destroyed, they cannot go back to Judaism, even if they wanted to. And they furthered the kingdom until the gospel finally even took over Rome, until Rome had become even the center of worship. And we know that, uh, you know, ultimately uh, that uh, the Roman Catholic Church uh, came out of all of that. And uh, while there's a whole lot of stuff could be said about that, it is that the gospel will ultimately triumph and is continuing to triumph, and we are a part of that. We're out of time. Thank you for joining in. Please tune in again next week as we continue to, I believe, unpack some things that are life-changing and will help you at least open your mind to a new way of thinking. Take a moment to call that number on the screen and so seed into the ministry. It's your faithfulness that help us take the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace around the world. Thanks for joining us. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.